0: deep breath they'd missed a dislocation to the right side of my foot from
1: 2012
0: yeah and nobody x-rayed the foot again the ankle they were all x-raying the foot so it came out of plaster There were like little fragments of bone in something called the sinus tarsi which is a, a kind of a, a donut hole around the ankle bone and they'd missed a fracture that extended into the joint. So this was all on the right side of my foot. So it wasn't actually me saying, I'm being crazy. There was genuinely a lot of damage that they'd missed.
1: Medical error is purported to be the third leading cause of death in the US, killing a quarter of a million Americans annually. 23% of Europeans have been affected by medical error. Bad science embeds M.E. as medical harm globally, making millions missing. But less than 10% of medical errors are reported, because medical error is the secret many healthcare systems and governments work hard to hide. Wrong medication, wrong dose, amputate the wrong limb. I am Scott Simpson, host of Medical Error Interviews. And I talk with patients and families, physicians, and advocates about medical error. They share secrets, stories, and most importantly, solutions. Medical Error Interviews is brought to you by my online counseling service, remediescounseling.com, a safe space for people affected by medical error, chronic illnesses, and other life matters. A note of caution. Some may be distressed or triggered by the medical experiences of guests. Hello humanity, I'm Scott Simpson, host of Medical Air Interviews podcast. When yoga teacher Liz fell down a flight of stairs while moving a mattress and injured her foot, she had no idea that multiple misdiagnosis and missed diagnosis would cause her years of medical gaslighting and chronic pain. Liz's healthcare experience is littered with story after story of incredible incompetence, false accusations, and patient blaming. With a few exceptions, most of us are raised to believe that our healthcare systems are looking out for our best interests, that they are self correcting institutions that prioritize patient safety. In reality, the healthcare system has morphed into a system that prioritizes and protects the status quo of physicians as godlike entities that can do no wrong. And unless you've experienced medical harm, neglect, or gaslighting from the healthcare system, it is hard to fathom that a strong element of the helping profession is really all about helping themselves. This is evidenced by the alliance of physicians with lawyers to protect doctors when they harm or kill patients. Those high-priced lawyers will try to delay court cases to run up the lawyer fees, essentially bankrupting the injured patient. Or the lawyers use stall and delay tactics in hopes the patient dies before the case goes to trial. To complete the moat around their elite status, Physicians work the political system to have laws and policies implemented that further protect doctors from accountability. This further entrenches the medical system as unaccountable for their actions. Yet we only have to consider that medical error is the third leading cause of death to recognize that the doctor-lawyer-politician triumvirate is effectively working to protect a high harm and death rate. Liz Perloff shares the failures of the medical system and the gem of a physician she found that has helped improve her quality of life, a quality needlessly diminished by repeated medical errors. You can support the podcast by subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and all of the major podcast platforms. You can also support the podcast by becoming a monthly patron Premium patrons get access to video versions of the podcast interviews. Simply go to patreon.com slash medicalerrorinterviews to become a monthly patron of the podcast. And if you need the support of an experienced counselor to deal with medical error and or living with complex chronic illnesses, you can book an online video counseling appointment with me through my website at remedies.com counseling.com now here's my interview with liz perloff and a word of warning as always that some folks may be triggered by liz's experiences with the healthcare system awesome thanks liz so we have some sound effects going on in the background that's okay it's appropriate for our conversation it's
0: It's london
1: (laughs) so where did you grow up and what was your childhood like
0: Oh, I'm actually from a place called Cape Town in South Africa, hmm. and um, my childhood was full of beaches and sunshine.
1: Okay, and then, but now you're in the UK. How did you end up in the UK?
0: Uh, my mother's British, and I moved here thirty-five years ago, and I've i I've, I've, I've stayed here. Okay, ever since.
1: So we're chatting today about your experiences with the healthcare system, so take us on that journey. What happened?
0: It's a long journey. It started on the 20th of October. Oh, exactly nine years today. Oh, on 20th of October, 2011, I fell down a flight of stairs. I was, um, I was being lazy. I I had a blow up mattress, I didn't deflate it, I walked it down the stairs, I missed my footing. And um, I went to a they put it in a cast and um, I went back four days later and they tried to manipulate the foot and then I had to go to surgery. And all along I knew something was wrong and there were all these red flags and eventually the foot came out of plaster and it just never moved from right to left. And everybody kept on telling me, well, it's osteoarthritis. It's it's what's expected from an accident when you break your foot. And then I went to another hospital. They did another X-ray, but they just did an X-ray from the the left side of the foot. And the reason that's important is because there was damage to the right side of the foot and the left side of the foot but nobody had picked up the damage on the right side of the foot. Every time I kept on saying, but it's the right side of my foot that isn't moving and is hurting, I was dismissed. I was patronized. I I was basically made, made to feel as if I was wasting everybody's time. So I left it between 2012 and 2015. And in 2015, purely by chance, I found a copy of a CT scan and on it it said that there were old fractures to the heel bone and when I, I, I didn't know anything about the anatomy of the foot back then so when I googled it I realized that the heel bone is actually on the right side of the foot and that's really when I feel my nightmare started everything that has gone wrong has gone wrong I think by that stage, because I was walking on a foot that I said didn't have any movement, my knees and my hips were taking the brunt of that.
1: Oh, so so between 2012 and 2015, how, what was your pain level of, what was your functional level with your foot?
0: Looking back with pain, I, I, I think if you woke up in that much pain just one day, it would be unbearable, but I think pain is quite insidious and it gradually increases day in and day out. So you don't actually recognize how bad it becomes. I think you don't recognize all the adaptations you make to your daily life to deal with the pain. I don't think you realize the amount of energy that you put into ignoring the pain. For for someone like myself, I, I respond very badly to medication. I have quite bad side effects so medication's never been an option and I think that's worked for me and against me it's worked for me in as much as that I'm not now taking drugs to counteract the side effects of the drugs but I think because I wasn't taking pain medication people were underestimating my pain and kind of going well if it's that bad you would be taking lots more drugs
1: right so all during that time you're you're in pain that's ever increasing pain but it sort of sounds like a a frog being boiled you don't notice it because it's (laughs) slowly incremental every day Um, and it also sounds like you were favoring your body to try to make up for that and it was causing other problems
0: um it's it's biomechanical adaptation that's really when, when when other joints of the body pick up for the movement of another joint, um, which is great in the short term, but over the long term, all that means is that more and more damage happens to the extent today that I've... Well, let's carry on with the journey. So I I was told that when my hip started to hurt, that was osteoarthritis, That, that was my right hip. When my right knee started to hurt, I was told that was osteoarthritis. I eventually managed to get a GP because a a lot of them have dismissed me. I'm not quite sure why. Apparently men and women get treated the same. I'd initially thought it was a a sexist thing because I was female but I've I've been told time and time again by lots of men that that's not the case. We're all treated equally in this respect.
1: (laughs) I've got to laugh out loud at that.
0: (laughs) I know um, that particular hospital did a, um, a, a CT which I now know is a hard bone scan and an MRI which is a soft tissue scan and they didn't read either one right. It, was, it had all these scans reported on by an independent radiologist. There was damage to the right side of my foot apparent in 2012. In this 2015 scans there's no damage to the right side of my foot. And then five months later at another hospital, the damage to the right side of the foot reappears. So that's one of the really big problems I've had because I think everybody accepts that if you're having a medical imaging done, you can absolutely rely on it. And if an x-ray says a bone is broken, it's broken. And yet that wasn't the case with me. Um, They consistently read the wrong. And so when I was telling my friends and family what what they thought of would be absolutely tall tales of they read their x-rays wrong, they read the CT scans wrong, my foot doesn't move, people were beginning to think that I was quite hysterical. I I was getting into more and more arguments with my family and friends because I thought, well, if you can't support me and believe me, then why would any member of the medical community support me? in the ct so that that there was a soft tissue scan in 2016 and um, he was a lovely lovely doctor and he actually listened to me and he said I, I think there is a problem with your foot and then he disappeared and a couple of years later i was googling him to, to see what hospital he'd gone to so that i could go back to him and i just that he'd been put on restrictions to practice by what is the UK General Medical Council. So looking back now, if that hadn't happened, I would have had some resolution on my foot then. I then went, kept on at this hospital where this doctor no longer worked. And eventually they said that they'd lost a lot of funding and I should go to another hospital. In between this, I had decided I I don't know who had suggested it. Somebody had suggested getting all the medical imaging and getting it read by an independent radiologist. I found a company online that, I I, I think that's quite difficult as well. It'd be nice if there was some sort of trip advisor. The month before I went to the new lower foot specialist, he came back with the most astonishing difference between the 2012, well, the x-rays in the initial injury, it was it, so. E- even today, I still take a deep breath. They'd missed um, a dislocation to the right side of my foot
1: from twenty twelve.
0: Yeah, I, what 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 had happened is by mistake they'd manually manipulated the foot when I went back four days after the injury, they'd put that dislocation back into place, but the dislocation on the left side of my foot, they'd torn apart and you can see this in the x-rays. So they actually had to operate and pin that so that it's called k wires back together. There was also a, 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 a disaligned fracture of the ankle bone. I now know that they had planned to operate on and I'd signed a consent form, but for some reason that never happened. Nobody documented why, and nobody x-rayed the foot again, the ankle, they were all x-raying the foot. So it came out of plaster, that bone, the ankle bone never healed properly because it was out of alignment, so it needed to be kind of pulled back into alignment to heal. And then they read the CT scan wrong, the, the hard bone scan wrong back in 2012, And at the time that bone hadn't healed and that's when they could have taken action. But back by November, 2016, when I found this out, it's too late because the bone on x-rays now just looks chalky. They'd missed the subtalar dislocation. There were like little fragments of bone in something called the sinus tarsi, which is a a, a kind of a, a donut hole around the ankle bone and they'd missed a fracture that extended into the joint. So this was all on the right side of my foot. So it wasn't actually me saying, I'm being crazy. There was genuinely a lot of damage that they'd missed. On the one hand, I was quite lucky because before I fell down the stairs, I was a part-time yoga teacher. So I was quite fit and supple. So I think that absolutely, it helped me and hindered me because I wasn't not getting refusing to get out of bed but i was struggling a lot obviously all these unidentified injuries i got that in november 2016. in december 2016 i saw another low limb specialist and this time we moved away from the left side of my foot to the right side of my foot based on this information and i thought oh this is absolutely wonderful i'm actually going to get somewhere now and I got a letter from that hospital saying, we've put you on a waiting list to remove a bunion. I <laughs> know, oh, So I I don't have a, well, it'd be, I, it'd be amazing how they could remove an imaginary bunion. And if, if you've had lots of bad experiences, I went into panic. And I was saying, please explain this to me. And instead of explaining to me, they removed me from the waiting list because I, I, did question them. Then I put in a complaint saying, but I shouldn't have been removed from the waiting list. I made contact and I provided emails that i would made contact. And they came back four months later saying, we know you made contact. However, you failed to attend an appointment, so you've been discharged. And it took me 18 months to get the hospital involved to say, actually, there wasn't an appointment. You're absolutely right. It's just gone on and on. So by this, that that for me was a final straw and I was working full time. And I don't think that was the breaking point, but I think I was probably falling when I discovered all the, the missed injuries in November, 2016. So by this had happened in April, 2017, I couldn't, I just walked out of my job one day, halfway through the day. And I still haven't gone back to work. Because every time I try and pick myself up, something else happens. So I was then told by the, sorry, I can't use names. I was then told by another organisation, who's the last of call for justice in the UK, that I needed to approach the hospital's concerns. So I went back to the original treating hospital to tell them what they'd missed. And they came back and we were relying on documents that I knew they didn't have because I'd asked under the subject access request to get these documents back in 2015. So when they came back saying, well, we've got this document to support it, I was like, well, please show me this document. I think the only good thing to come out of this is that I've realized the importance of members of parliament. My MP has been wonderful it's really important that you get a GP because he supported me each and every way even with his input it's taken months it's taken years should we say to get acknowledgements that this investigation was based on documents that had been shredded back in October 2011
1: Wow, so that that's quite the journey so so first, you had that period where uh, you were being sort of dismissed and ignored and gaslighted for a number of years. then you get you get to see these c t. scans, which totally confirms and validates all your pain and suffering. yeah, and, and then you have these other multiple mess- ups and administrative follies okay so that brings us up to the spring of 2017
0: yeah and so with the help of my mp i got to see another lower limb specialist at another hospital we did some more medical imaging and they came back to saying well the problem is the original injury on the left side of the foot so i put in another complaint and then they changed their mind and said actually it's." it's the injury on the right side of the foot, the injury that should have been, had an injection back in January 2016, but I was told that I was gonna have the bunion removed instead um, and then injected it. And that was when I decided with pain, I mean, I, I couldn't believe the difference in pain, that pain is so insidious, you just live with it and it's really, really bad but you don't realise just how dramatic the effect is on you. But the foot still wasn't moving from right to left. What I discovered with all the low limb specialists is that I'd walk in on a nice flat hospital floor, they'd put my foot up in a chair and say it's got perfect movement, whereas for me it was always about going downstairs on ramps, uneven ground, and trying to get onto an escalator. That was always where I struggled. I I never struggled with perfectly flat ground and he got really annoyed with me and he spent about 20 minutes screaming and shouting at me that who did I think I was? I didn't know it. He was the doctor. He knew best. Um, I was difficult. There were people who were in a much worse situation than me who didn't complain to the degree that I complained to. And, um, I walked out and I never went back.
1: That sounds very um, traumatizing. Oh,
0: well, it was. Um, about this, thank, thank you for saying that. It's sort of, you know, you, you know those feelings when someone acknowledges things and you feel like you want to cry out of gratitude. Um, round about that stage, I realized that I was actually avoiding a lot of treatment. A Any time I had to go to a GP, I was sweating. Any contact with any doctors, any admin staff, I was sweating, my heart was beating. I would sit and think about how I was going to manage these appointments for for weeks beforehand. I would get these letters of consultations that contain mistakes, and I would absolutely see red because i I couldn't deal with that so round about. January 2019, I decided that actually all the denial and minimization, the gaslighting, which you have mentioned, um, I call it the reconstructing of reality, you know, when they change events, so it might be real, but it, it's not actually how it happened. That was all emotional abuse. Strangely enough, going to a hospital or going go, go, go to a, a doctor and saying you feel like you've been emotionally abused by health services doesn't get you a brilliant reception i found some money and i i went to see a private psychologist who actually diagnosed um, a trauma stress disorder not post because it was still ongoing but this avoidance the hyper arousal the hyper intrusive thoughts the um the high anxiety this was classic and and. I, I I think the one thing I've still held on to despite everything is 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 my possibly dark sense of humour and, and I still find it ironic the actions of everybody treating me so badly, which caused worse communication. Um and it, it was just a spiraling control. So then we where are we up to twenty nineteen? By then my hips were both hips were so painful and there was buzzing in my, my legs and my feet. I couldn't sit, I couldn't sleep, I couldn't move. And everyone was saying, but it's osteoarthritis, you're 54, I was 53 then, what, what do you expect? So I did another subject access request to a hospital and I discovered that my severe knee osteoarthritis was a typo. And the severe osteoarthritis in my hips was actually torn labral ligaments. So, so the labyrinth is like a big elastic band that holds the pelvis and, and the thigh bones together. And there were tears to that. There was absolutely no osteoarthritis. So I, yet again, been denied treatment on an assumption and more medical errors. And so I'm, I'm not quite sure how it happened but I managed to get to a doctor at the pinnacle of orthopedic specialities in the UK and he agreed with me finally in April 2019 that my right foot had no hind foot movement whatsoever six weeks later I saw a physio that I would really like to name his name is Oliver Cowper and all he needed was 45 minutes of manual manipulation and the foot regained movement. I, so it didn't need great surgery. It didn't need, that. that's all it needed, but it actually needed somebody to acknowledge that there was no movement in the foot because everyone had said there's great movement in the foot, what's your problem? Unfortunately, by that stage, because I had walked, on a foot with no hind foot movement for just about nine years, my hips had taken the brunt. It's finally been acknowledged just a couple of weeks ago. There's no osteoarthritis in either hips. But what it is, is I have gluteal, upper hamstring and lower hamstring tendinopathy of both hips and both legs. And tendinopathy is an overuse when the collagen of the tendon starts to unravel because of overuse. And it's a very painful and debilitating condition, but it doesn't require drugs or surgery. And it should never have got to this stage. Along the way, I've I've, I've, I've had my access to just about every complaint process revoked because I was a persistent complainer. Because I was making up more and more complaints to prolong the complaint process. Now that it's acknowledged that my foot didn't move, there wasn't osteoarthritis of my hips, so treatment was withheld based on the wrong definition. People are still ignoring me, and I, I to the extent that it took me another year to be referred for treatment of the trauma stress disorder that was created by this process and I've just plucked up the courage to start going on Twitter and I'm going to start doing my own podcast to bring to the attention of people. My journey says you absolutely need to believe yourself, you absolutely need to trust in yourself but you've also got to be aware that when there's red flag professional behavioral signs it's time to get support, don't leave it, don't do it by yourself. And unfortunately, you can't trust health services to always act in your best interest because when mistakes are made, they feel the need to act in their best interests.
1: Wow, Liz, yeah, there's uh, (laughs) so much horror around your experience, but also so much wisdom that you've gained through the experience it occurs to me, it's like a medical comedy of errors that's not funny at all.
0: <laughs> I, I also, if if you're going to go on this on this journey, this complaint process journey, you have to maintain a sense of humor. You, you're, you're not going to get through it otherwise. So, so you do need to find the comedy in it. I, I absolutely agree with you.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it also sounds like they started, the system started to punish you for not being a a good patient, a compliant patient, a non-complaining patient?
0: Without a doubt, I, I have said this. I, I've said that I feel that you're trying to assassinate my character. I feel you're trying to blame and shame me. And I've always been assured that's not the case. And yet it does seem to be. And I've now got to the stage where I think the term patient should be banned because it does give the connotations that you'll just sit happily back and wait forever because you're patient. And and I think we should be using terms like service user or client because I that feels just a little bit more powerful and it feels like you've got a little bit more say in your treatment.
1: Yeah, that's true. I know in social services, service user is a fairly common or client's a fairly common term. Rarely is patient used in sort of social and psychological services. And I think that that is a significant change in in the language that we use. Yeah, that double connotation of patient, of being patient and waiting.
0: Yeah, yeah, passive. Um,
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: so I'm not saying all health treatment is bad. I think there's a lot of good people out there. I think there's a lot of good treatment, but I think when they make an error, it's the cover-ups that are so costly. And once we get the no-fault blame, I think would be really important. doesn't matter what happened. Let's try and put it right now and nobody's gonna get into trouble. I think when people are fearing for their jobs because they made a mistake, because management gonna come down after them, doesn't support anybody either.
1: Yeah, I've realized over the years that it's really the medical culture and the system that's the problem. And a lot of the physicians that work within it come into that career with the best of intentions, altruistic intentions. Um, and then they have to conform to the system, or the system spits them out.
0: Just as it's been totally traumatic for me and other people, I think if you're a whistleblower in the healthcare system, they treat you just as badly. They don't have any loyalty.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely right, yeah. Yeah, yeah so that that perspective of the, the trauma that physicians, especially the whistleblowers, go through, yeah, that'll be some deep trauma that they experience.
0: Yeah, very much so, so, yes.
1: So it also sounds like uh, you're planning this podcast to create awareness around the challenges within the system, these systemic problems. It sounds like you're going through post-traumatic growth.
0: Rather than wasteland growth, yay! (laughs) My background is in healthcare. I can't see the system changing. I think you're absolutely right. It's been like this for hundreds of years. It's always going to be like this. So I'd like to see that maybe if people realize that this poor complaint handling is not a victimless crime and that it does cause another disease, that might be a change. I'd like to think of it as something like the sepsis awareness campaign. Once you're aware of something, you see it everywhere but once yeah. we're aware that these are the red flag professional behaviors these are the red flag behavioral changes that you need to look out for or these are the ways you can prevent the red flag behavior changes from even starting which could be even a better well fingers crossed that that is what I would like to achieve now.
1: Yeah, and I think it was when you posted those red flags on Twitter that caught my attention because they were uh, so on point.
0: Thank you, this has been going on a long time Um, and I've gone from being quite angry and kind of thinking it's emotionally abusive to turning my language down and thinking, what can I say? both sides of the fence will hopefully find palatable. And I think red flags is more palatable than abuse or victim. So um, thank you for noticing that and thank you for saying it's on point.
1: (laughs) And so I'm just going over in my head. So your story was you had, you know, you fell down the stairs and hurt your foot. And ultimately what would have helped was a 45 minute manipulation and putting your foot back into place or manipulating it easily but instead you've had years and years and years of not only physical pain and suffering but also emotional abuse and trauma and suffering
0: yeah So can, can I just the, and, and the re it, it wasn't it was something called an equinus that was undiagnosed and the reason was undiagnosed because they missed all those injuries to the right side of my foot so they didn't know what to look out for if somebody had actually read the medical imaging correctly, there they would have been, hopefully, fingers crossed, red flags would have sprung up that there was damage to the right side of my foot. And when I said my right side of my foot wasn't moving, I would have been listened to. But instead, everyone was saying it's the left side of your foot. You don't understand. So,
1: yeah, the patient can't be believed because the patient doesn't know their own body.
0: Well, absolutely. And can I just add the point of reference? My foot is a UK size five. I think that's a European thirty-eight. I think that's a USA seven. So it's not like it was a barge size. It's it's quite a small foot to 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 miss that amount of damage. I I think.
1: Uh, a total side question here. Yeah. Uh When you said that you're 54 years old, I thought, I wonder if you have Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome because you don't look that old.
0: You're my best friend. (laughs) (laughs) There's obviously really good light.
1: (laughs) But you've not been diagnosed with EDS?
0: I don't, I've never heard of it
1: it's a uh, call i think it has something to do with collagen it's for people who are really bendy so like i can move my fingers <sighs> that way
0: so, oh do you have it
1: yeah and i can put my thumb to my wrist and there's various other signs of it
0: oh i'm gonna look that up thank you
1: yeah yeah if you if you're really if you're really bendy that's a a sign
0: right no i'm not but
1: So, if folks wanted to find you on Twitter or any other social media, how would they find you?
0: I'm on at of, and my website, which I hope will be live in the next couple of weeks, is called fromthepenof.com, and the reason behind that name is because I have written thousands of emails and thousands of letters. And people have asked me to send more and more stuff till I got to the stage where I thought, this is more from the panel. (laughs) So that's where that came from.
1: (laughs) Okay, and I'll include those links to your Twitter and to your upcoming website in the show notes so people have those links there too. Thank you. Well, thank you, Liz, for sharing your story and for the advocacy and awareness work you're doing and uh, best wishes with moving forward with your podcast and and all of the work that you're doing.
0: Thank you so much for your time and I hope you get well soon. (laughs) Thanks, Liz. Take care. Bye. Bye.
1: You can support the podcast by subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean and all of the major podcast platforms. You can also support the podcast by becoming a monthly patron. Premium patrons get access to video versions of the podcast interviews. Simply go to patreon.com slash interviews to become a monthly patron of the podcast. And if you need the support of an experienced counselor to deal with medical error and or living with complex chronic illnesses, you can book an online video counseling appointment with me through my website at remediescounseling.com.